The following programme is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Welcome to the Creation Today show. I am at Ben Shetler on Twitter. I'm at Eric Hovind on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. More importantly, watch this show. You're going to love it. Going to be a look at the Bible, what it says about Noah's Ark and the flood. We've got a science experiment that, Ben, I promise it'll sink. Get your pen, get your paper out right now because we're going to take a quiz. We want to see what you know about what the Word of God says about Noah's Ark and the flood. Here we go, Eric. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your hosts affirm the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Are you smarter than a K? For Sunday school class, get your pen and so. paper. I hope you. I hope they are too. I hope, man. I hope I am. Pen and paper quiz ready. You've got the first question. Yes. Eric. Question number one. How many days did the flood last? What do people say, Ben? Most people are going to say forty days and forty nights. But the correct answer is more than forty days and forty nights. The Bible says. It rained on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Then for 150 days, the waters prevailed upon the earth. You can read this in Genesis chapter 7 and Genesis chapter 8. And then after that, the water began to assuage, literally kind of like a sloshing back and forth as the ocean basin sank down and the mountains rose up, according to Psalms. So when you take the total time from beginning to end, flood lasted about a year. About one year. We just said assuage. It's a good old King James word. We're ben. moving on to the next question. <laughs> how many of each animal assuaged? No. How many of each animal were on the ark, Eric? Most people are going to say, I got the answer. It's two, two of each animal. And you would be close, but you would be wrong because clean animals, according to Genesis 7 2, were by the sevens. It says, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. Verse 3 says, of fowls also of the air by seven. Fowls of the air, we're not talking about baseball in right and left field. We're talking about birds in the sky, seven. So clean Foul. animals Foul. and birds. Fowl. 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 King James word too. Yes, clean animals and birds. Laundered animals. <laughs> Laundered, the clean ones. <laughs> I love it. Okay, question number three. Hope you're doing okay on your quiz here. How big was the ark and what did it look like? What's your answer, Ben? What do people say? Well, everyone needs to draw a picture and send it to us. Okay, so we I like know that. What theirs looks like. Instagram, Twitter, Twitter. Instagram, all of these places. Pinterest. Okay, I'd love to see your pictures of the ark, but what did it look like? Probably not like this picture. <laughs> I know. With animals hanging out on the side and everything. The giraffe's neck sticking up out the top of the ark. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah, it is. But, it, but inaccurate. Very inaccurate. Actually, the Bible tells us the dimensions of the ark. You can look that up, but it's 300 cubits by 50 cubits by 30 cubits. So now the question is what's a cubit and does he have any arrows? <laughs> wrong, wrong, oh, wrong cubit. Cubit is the distance from the tip of your finger right here to your elbow, and there's distinctions on how long that was. The standard Egyptian cubit was right at 18 inches. Other people had a cubit of 21 inches. Depends on how long your arm is for your cubit. But when you use the 18-inch cubit, that would be a 450 foot long by 50, uh, 75 feet wide by 45 feet tall arc, and it would have had three layers in it, plenty of room for Noah, 
the animals, and the food supply for that year-long voyage. For the next question we may go down under, Ooh. we want to know where did kangaroos come from, Eric? Oh. Not under the desk. I, I know what most people think, uh, and write down your answer real quick, but most people are going to, and you can say it right now, out loud in front of your computer or TV, Australia. Australia. Australia, mate. But that would be incorrect. Definitely incorrect. We know that all the animals came after creation. They came from God, but then later they came from the Middle East in the ark, and they spread to the rest of the world according to the Bible. We've done shows on that. You can actually Google the Creation Today show and find out where did kangaroos come from. And we have one more question, Eric. Yep. Question number five, was it really a worldwide flood? Well, it depends what you mean by was it. Actually, it depends <laughs> what you mean by worldwide or universal because there's some people that say it was a worldwide flood relegated to Noah's world. You know, oh, it's like, yeah. it's my world. or it, but, Not the whole world. Right, but actually, Eric, it was every inch of the globe was completely covered by water. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about that when we come back. And are you smarter than a K-4 Sunday School class? Because Answers in Genesis Sunday School curriculum teaches these truths starting in K-4. Really cool. I think our viewers are quite intelligent. I think they probably are too. Yeah. They're watching the show. They got it. Except for the atheists, the Bible uh, calls them fools. That's true. Can Christians believe the Bible from the very first word? This new study, The Six Days of Genesis, by creation speaker Paul Taylor, will help Christians understand exactly what happened during the creation week and why it is foundationally important to believe it. You will enjoy every minute of Paul's unique presentation style, combining scientific facts, solid biblical teaching, and a little British humor. For more information, visit us at www.creationtoday.org. Okay, so for today's big question on the show, was Noah's flood global or was it local, or as some people like to say, universal to Noah's universe? Eric, it surprises me that many Christians don't even believe in a global flood. I think most of our viewers would know what you believe, they should. what I believe, <laughs> but what matters is what God's Word says. This so today true. we're going to look at the Bible for our answer, we start in Genesis chapter 7, if you'd like to follow along, in verse 19, where the Bible says, And the waters prevailed, we're talking about obviously Noah's flood, And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. You know, I got to tell you, it seems really clear to me, Ben, that this was a global flood. If it says all the high hills were covered, but... Let's just erode any idea of a local flood. Erode, I see what you yeah, did there. You caught it. Okay, so it good. says all the high hills were covered. So all the hills are covered. And then the highest mountain covered by 15 cubits. Well, we have an animation here. <laughs> it kind of shows the property of water. Yes. If water is above something, it goes and fills every inch. So it would have been impossible for the highest mountain on earth to be covered and not the whole earth to be covered. Thank you, Dan Letha, for illustrating that for us. We appreciate it. Yeah, people that think that believe in this local flood idea, they would have to account for this. It, it just simply doesn't make sense. Here's what I was thinking. If God gave Noah 120 years to build the boat, why didn't he just tell Noah to move instead? Why is it called Noah's Ark instead of Noah's 
cart. <laughs> he should have told Noah to move. He had 120 years to do it. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and obviously his, he moved Abraham. God moved Abraham out, out of, of her. her. Yeah. He could have moved Noah out of the flood location. He could have taken all the animals with him. That would have been much simpler. Yeah. Eric, as we move on, let's keep reading. Verse 21. All the flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle, and the beast, and of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. So all animals, every man who was breathing. Everything. Right? So unless there's people that weren't breathing that were alive, the undead <laughs> zombies, everyone else died. Everybody's dead on that. There are no zombies. Okay, Eric, here's the question. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Here's the question. If the water did not cover the earth, then I think it is a greater miracle that God drowned and exterminated people whom and animals whom the water never reached. It's kind <laughs> of hard true. to drown in water that never gets to you. This was a global flood. That would be a greater miracle. You know, that brings up the, the whole idea of God's promise as well. God promised uh, Noah he would never again destroy the world with a flood. And the promise was? The promise of the rainbow. The rainbow. Which I think the promise of the rainbow should be promised that all of us get Skittles for working so hard on the Creation Today show. You don't get Skittles, but every time you eat Skittles, it could remind you of... I'm just hoping one of the... They'll send it in as yeah, a gift I'm to hoping. you? Yeah, I'm hoping. A bag of Skittles. <laughs> well, awesome. when Noah and his family left the ark, God put this rainbow in the sky and said, I'll never destroy the world again with a flood. Well, we've had lots of local floods since. So if that was God's promise and it was a local flood, then God's promise is absolutely no good because we've seen flooding. We got video footage yeah. of it. It's happened. Clearly, the Bible is claiming that this was a universal flood. The question is, do we want to believe what the Bible says? Well, we've dealt with what the Bible says, but there's been some secular questions as well, Eric. Does God have the right to judge people oh, in this way? If you're wondering that question, stick around because Eric has a phenomenal answer in his apology coming up. You do have a phenomenal answer. Right? I think it's going to be great. We've made the promise. We're told it was eons of time that shaped the Earth's most dramatic rock features. Yet before this theory was popularized, a completely different explanation had dominated scientific thought. One of violent and catastrophic processes. Has science made it impossible for us to believe the Bible? No, there's good reason to doubt the millions of years theory that dominates geology. Today we're going to explore some evidence from a catastrophic flood that ripped through our own backyard at the end of the Ice Age. It's called the Lake Missoula Flood. The Creation Explorers will journey into this flood's path. They will explore the features carved by the Missoula Flood and see how these same features can be seen across the Earth. This evidence for catastrophic flood erosion shows us just how possible the Bible's global flood catastrophe can be. Is God an evil being for judging the world? Consider this. Number one, we get angry at God and blame Him when people commit evil acts. Then, when God judges evil acts, we get mad at Him and blame Him for His judgments. This is an I hate God no matter what kind of attitude. Second thing you need to consider, is it evil for a judge to punish someone? No. It's actually evil if a judge doesn't punish the guilty party. 
Lastly, consider this. Everything God does is just. (laughs) So, if you say God's decision to judge the world is unjust, well then by what manner or what standard do you call it unjust? You're actually using the Bible, using God's standards to judge God. For our interview today, we have John and Mary Ann from the Creation Encounters Group. John and Mary Ann, welcome to the show. Thank you. you Welcome from Oregon. Man, I tell you, I am excited about what you guys are doing out there with Creation Encounters and the Creation Explorers Group. Uh, John, can you tell me real quick and give our listeners an understanding of what you guys do? Well, we are, uh, most for the most part, we do field trips all over the western United States, but mostly right here uh, close to home. You know, one-day trips, five-day camping trips. What do you hope to do? What do you want your camping trips to do? What are you teaching people on these? Well, there's a lot of evidence wherever you are about the global flood and just about the amazing handiwork that God uh, has built into nature and into creation for us to appreciate and to see him through this. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. Marianne, tell me, you guys actually have a brand new resource available uh, that you guys produced just to help spread the word about this. Can you tell me what you guys did and then talk about that DVD? Yeah, so the Creation Explorers are a, a group of young people who had a boat and a seaplane and a filmmaker as a sister. And so we took what we learned from John and Dennis Bakavoy, another guide, and we tried to communicate that in our film, Creation Explorers Tracking the Flood. And it's an adventure film for kids, so it has a lot of action in it, and yet it has a lot of science. And it has um, interviews with uh, scientists from all over, like Steve Austin and Mike Ord and our field guides and other scientists. Well, I know my kids thoroughly enjoyed it. What a great resource to get. I encourage people to get it. So you guys are movie stars now, and uh, you guys are out there teaching people the truth with what God has entrusted to you. It's absolutely awesome. Okay, give us, give us a little bit of what can people glean from what you guys have out there in Oregon of flood geology? How do we know there really was a flood out there? Yeah. Well, this, this course is a uh, big, big roadblock for a lot of people. Uh, I know this kept me away from Christ for several years because I couldn't trust the beginning of G- Genesis to be true. And then as I started to familiarize with the literature and we actually joined a, uh, a local creation organization, a nonprofit organization called Design Science Association, I started finding out uh, just tremendous amount of, of things about in our own location and locale uh, about the flood. And I believe any place in the United States, you are going to see that kind of evidence because if it indeed was a worldwide year-long catastrophic mountain-covering flood, there should be some evidence out there. All right, so Marianne, you made a video about it. What kind of stuff do you guys see out there? Well, uh, first of all, I think the quartzites, these are rocks, they're rounded rocks, actually we have some that are are rounded, they're they're originally sandstone and they were metamorphosed into quartzites. They originate from the Superbelt in Montana, but we find them here in in the Columbia River Gorge in some of the the, uh, 
road cuts in the gorge. And so we take people to, to look at these rocks and to examine them, and then we tell them their story that, you know, how, how did these quartzites travel all the way from Montana to Oregon, yeah. to coastline, actually. We find them in a central Oregon. Mm -hmm. And then yep. east of the Rockies, too, you'll find them 800 miles. 800 miles from yeah. their origin. Yeah, so yeah. What, what transported them? That's right. And uh, we found that uh, some scientists, friends of ours, did some calculations on that. And they found, actually, it takes currents uh, 65 miles an hour, 200 feet deep to transport an oblong rock like this oh, man. about 400 miles. So that was a big giant local flood, right, that did that? Yes. <laughs> not, even, not even the Missoula flood could have no, done that. Local floods are run about 25, 35 miles an hour. Um, this is amazing that uh, it's not happening today. Wow. Okay, uh, tell us, uh, Marianne, tell me your favorite part of the movie that you guys did real quickly and then in the last 30 seconds give me uh give me real quickly a uh how people can get in touch with you okay well i think some of the my favorite parts of the film are when we actually go into the columbia river gorge and we we see these signs of catastrophic erosion that have happened in the gorge like the lack of uh, erosional material at the bottom of these cliffs these sheer cliffs and um uh, some of the other evidences that we, we go through. Um, you can go to uh, creationexplorer.com to see a promo of our video, and you can also go like us on Facebook at Creation Explorers Tracking the Flood, and uh, we'll try to keep that more updated. But awesome. get the film because it has a lot of information in it. Well, if you guys have time to stick around, we'd like to do an extended interview. People, you, uh, Listeners, you can watch it online at creationtoday.org, the extended interview. I'm going to keep talking to them about more evidence of the worldwide flood. Today we're going to explore some evidence from a catastrophic flood that ripped through our own backyard at the end of the Ice Age. It's called the Lake Missoula Flood. 540 cubic miles of water raced across much of Washington State. The Creation Explorers will journey into this flood's path. They will explore the features carved by the Missoula Flood and see how these same features can be seen across the Earth. Welcome back to Creation Today and our science experiment. And I don't know what Eric has planned for us, but I sure hope it's drinking a lot of sugary <laughs> sodas. I'm ready to go. And Eric, I've noticed you have the bad sodas on his side and the good sodas, the non-diet, full of sugar sodas on this side. What do you got for us today? Well, before you drink this, I just want you to tell me, what do you think? Would yours sink or float? If you say this is the good stuff, what's it going to do? Sink or float? Sink. You're exactly right. That a is a sinker. bottom feeder, my root beer, yummy. <laughs> All right, what about Dr. Pepper? Sink or float? Sink it, man. It's going down. Yep, that's going to sink as well. Now, what about if I transition to my diet soda, sink or float? Those things are lightweights. They're probably going to float. And actually, you're right. They do float. The question is why? Why do because the diet sodas float? this is better than that, no. and these go to the bottom. That's Actually, why. it has to do with the amount of sugar content contained in the can of Coke. These right here have a lot more sugar than the diet. The diet doesn't have any sugar in it. Those have a lot of sugar. Matter Hang of fact, on, Eric. You're saying that the sugar causes this to sink? 
It absolutely does. Why? The sugar actually dissolves and the molecules are uh, actually dissolve and go in between the liquid molecules of the Coke or of the root beer. And so it actually weighs it down. Let me show you how much it actually weighs it down. Hold the scale out right there. So you're going to show me how much sugar is in there? Yes. This oh. one right here in the root beer has 45 grams of sugar. 45 grams of sugar. So okay. I want to show so you, this is, is how much it would actually grams. weigh it down. This is how much Three extra weight it Three packets of sugar. What do you think? Would that be enough? Maybe. I don't know. 45 grams. Actually, sometimes. I've got a handful here. That is 45 grams of sugar. I actually didn't Wait, even have enough. Sweet and low. I know. I didn't have enough sugar packets. 18 sugar wow. packets to equal 45 grams of sugar. That is a lot of sugar. All of that, in the sweet and lows would be sugar, are all in that Bart's root beer right there. That's probably too much. We probably should be a little bit more careful That's about weighing you down, man, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, when you look at just one of these uh, these soda cans, you wouldn't think this is actually 44 grams yeah, of sugar. it's a lot. Got it written on the top there. Um, but that's a lot. You would think, wow, it's not that much. And you know, I think the same of atheism, the atheistic mm. worldview, is when we look at it from the outside, we go, surely that's not that damaging. But the problem is, is atheism says, no God. Atheism says, well, we're just animals. Yep. And when you think there is no God that you'll answer to one day, and that you are an animal, you'll start behaving like one. And it's far more dangerous. And really, it'll It'll weigh you down in your life. Do not accept the atheist worldview. It really does weigh you down. Coming up, we've got a great question from our social media. And I'm ready to bust some of these open here. Ugh. Yummy. Sugar time. Oh. Welcome back. You have questions. We have an attempt at an answer. We've yes. got a social media question from Tiberius who says, even if there was a worldwide flood, how does that prove God exists, Eric? Great question. Answer is, it doesn't. There it, we go. It doesn't prove God exists at all. <laughs> there now, you go, Tiberius. <laughs> But here's what it does. It actually confirms what God's word has told us. When we look around and see evidence of the worldwide flood, and we see that the Bible talks about a worldwide flood, we go, science and the Bible match, they agree. Okay, Eric, there's some people out there that say, if there's evidence out there that contradicts the Bible, then all believe the Bible above the evidence. Here's the problem with saying that. There isn't any evidence that be. contradicts the Bible because the Bible is true. So it's not evidence, it's something else. There are two ways to look at the world geologically. One, we can say, it, well, first of all, all scientists agree that at some point the earth was covered in water because we see sedimentary 
layers. Now, we could say that that was little amounts of water over millions and millions and millions of years. But then the Earth has to be really old. Or we can say that a single global flood covered the Earth all at one time, and that is why we have the unique features that we do all over the world. And in Season 3, Episode 27, we talked about how when you look at the Earth, there's one that makes far more sense than the other, and it's the fact that the Earth was covered in a global flood. Yeah, we gave a top 10 list there of you know how we know the world really was covered by water. And one of the things we didn't even get to mention in the top 10 list that geologists have a huge problem with, with the whole way to interpret it, is the geologic column. If you were to combine the geologic column and put it in one place in the world, it would be 100 miles thick. There's only one place in the geologic, well, two places that the <laughs> geologic column actually exists, and that's in the textbooks and in the, uh, in the museums that set it up to try to preach this and use the geologic column to teach millions of years. So our viewers need to re be reminded that the geologic column doesn't exist in the earth, yeah. it exists in the minds of evolutionists and atheists. Absolutely. So Tiberius, the reason why we're so adamant about the flood is because it points to the real, because it happened. It confirms, <laughs> it confirms what God's word says. It confirms the truth of scripture. In fact, I have a quote from C.S. Lewis here, if I can find it, it's such right a good there. quote. Right there. Oh, here we go. I believe in Christianity, this is what C.S. Lewis said, as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I mm. see everything else. And oh, what a great statement by Absolutely. Lewis. Eric, uh, this has been a, or last week was an incredibly busy week for me. <laughs> in four different cities, traveled 2,600 miles. I spoke 14 times. It was a lot going All on. All in seven days. <laughs> in a seven-day period of God time. God made the world in seven days, buddy. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, small little me. That, <laughs> That's I, a lot. That was a lot going on. But Eric, one of the things I'm finding in churches are people that want their pastor or somebody like me to come in and articulate truth. But our world needs every church mm. member, every Christian, not just a pastor or a preacher, articulating their truth. And Absolutely. what I encourage people everywhere I go is to get resources that can help them articulate their faith. The problem is, is I just wish that there was a television show that gave these resources. <laughs> I just wish that there was an online store that people could go. Is there any place that people can go, Eric? I think so. <laughs> Creation today. Dot .org has tons of resources to equip you. We've got the free Creation Today show. We've got DVDs available to, to use even as track packs. We've got tracks available, all kinds of stuff. I can think of a couple, like for example, the, if you wanted the truth about Noah's Ark, the true story of Noah's Ark by Tim Dooley is a great resource to help equip you with the answers you need. We've mentioned Flood Legends before by Charles Martin, That's a, a great fantastic one. book. It's even Science Experiments, the fun way to teach God's Word through science, is a wonderful book that actually gives science experiments and shows how, again, science confirms what God's Word says. You know, our ministry's desire is to spread this news all around the world. That's why for years, then we haven't even copyrighted our material for free distribution. We allow people to copy it, to give it away. That's what we want. Get this out there. That's why the Creation Today Show is provided absolutely free to you. And it's made possible by supporters that support the ministry. And Eric, this is great. There's a lot of people that support the show financially, and thank you so yeah. much for doing that. But here's another great way to support the show. Go online and purchase a book. You can learn something and then support the show as well. It's yes. Awesome. You know, the testimony that I got picked out for us today, I love this because it just speaks to 
People that have lived their life and go, you know, I want purpose. I've, I've, okay, I, I, I attain success. Now I it's time for purpose. I don't want just my pastor, just, just an evangelist to come in and preach the truth. I want to give it out. Check this out. A widow, Jeff from Texas, sent us this. A widow of 73 years of age named Mary feels called to a specific mission field. This dear saint of God has used her social security to buy two duplication towers to duplicate your creation seminar resources. She said her mission field is the state of Oklahoma and has determined in her heart to reach that state for Jesus Amen. with your creation resources. Amen. Amazing. So cool. So cool. That's it, man. That's well, all we got for the show today. And I think it was good. It was. I had a good time. <laughs> it really was a worldwide flood, just like the Bible says. Thanks for watching. Do you need the tools to defend your faith? Visit our websites for up-to-date content. Attend one of our live events and shop online at creationstore.org. We are Creation Today.